is up guys today we're here with hard thoughts to swallow i'm crystal Irvin, and we're going to be talking about eating disorders in today's society eating disorders are more common than most people would believe the only problem is that people are afraid to speak out about them because they feel like they will be invalidated i'm here to be a voice for them and to bring a little more education and light to the ed community all right so what are eating disorders NationalEatingDisorder.org states, Eating disorders are serious but treatable mental and physical illnesses that can affect people of all genders, ages, races, religions, ethnicities, sexual orientations, body shapes, and weights. Basically, what this means is that, just like depression and anxiety, eating disorders are mental illnesses that affect your physical health and the way you see yourself, also known as body dysmorphia, and can also affect not only females but males as well. This includes, but is not limited to, any race, size, age, or more. Mental illnesses don't discriminate, so we need to educate ourselves so that we can be there for our loved ones, yourself, and if we ever have to face it. There are many different types of eating disorders that you may come in contact with, whether that be dealing with one or helping someone else with theirs. There are also ones that are most talked about, such as anorexia, which focuses on weight loss or lack of appropriate weight gain, and bulimia, which is characterized by binge eating and the other behaviors such as self-induced vomiting to undo or make up for binging. Then there are the less talked about eating eating disorders such as pica, which is eating items that aren't typically thought of as food and hold no nutritional value such as hair, cotton, and dirt. Or Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder, ARFID, once known as Selective Eating Disorder, which does not focus on body size or fear of weight, but still puts limits on the amount and or types of food you eat. Eating Disorders, such as pica, which is eating items that aren't typically thought of as food and hold no nutritional value, such as hair, cotton, and dirt. Or Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder, ARFID, once known as Selective Eating Disorder, which does not focus on body size or fear of weight, but still puts limits on the amount and or types of food you eat. A common reason why people don't get their loved one's help is because they just didn't know. This little slip-up allows our loved ones to continue hurting alone for months, or maybe even years. However, there are signs that someone has developed an eating disorder, so if you're worried that this could be your loved one, please be sure to look out for hair loss, disruptive sleep patterns, excessive exercise, low energy, or irregular or absent menstrual cycle, and more. If you notice some of these warning signs, please don't just go and accuse your loved ones. Mental illnesses are very scary thing to go through, especially alone, so let them know that you are here for them and talk to them. If you guys find out that your loved one does in fact have an eating disorder, be sure to listen to how they would like to deal with it. Make sure to make a plan and stick to it. Recovery to an eating disorder is necessary. They are not something that you can just push aside like your dirty laundry sitting in the corner of your room and hope that it goes away. You should support your loved ones and research the ED and find out what helps and what doesn't so that you don't trigger them. Eating disorders are serious and if help is not given, it could lead to death. There are different types of help that your loved one may need. And although all eating disorders are valid, some are more severe than others and may need 
the consult of a medical professional or the admission to in, out, inpatient and outpatient. All right, bringing in my personal superhero, Delaney has come in to answer some questions for us. Hi, Delaney. Welcome in. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, so we have a couple of questions for you, if that's okay. Of course that's okay. So what is the hardest part of your recovery, Ben? I think the hardest part is probably unlearning all the habits that I've done for years. It's just hard to, like, go from... Because there's no, like, easing into it. You know, like, because if you're not fully recovering, you're not really recovering. Yeah. So, going from, like, two extremes, it's it's a big jump. So, you said that you've been trying to unlearn the habits that you've done for years. How long have you had an eating disorder for? Honestly, it's kind of unclear to me. But, um, I would say I started developing an eating disorder around seventh grade. So that would be three years. Three years. All right. And throughout those three years, you just now started recovery. What has the scariest part of that been? Uh, the scariest part of recovery has been... It's, I've come to a lot of like realizations in recovery from like looking back on my eating disorder and realizing just how bad I was. Because you don't... In the moment, you don't recognize that you could die from this, yeah. you know? So it's been scary to look back and think that if I didn't start recovery when I did, I might have died, <laughs> you know? So that's been really terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, time to get off the Debbie Downer. Yeah. What have <laughs> some milestones of recovery? What are those? So um, there's... Obviously, like, the timeline milestones, where it's, like, the six months, the one year, and then going on from there. Um, but there's a lot of, like, uh, behavioral kind of milestones, where it's, like, eating three full meals in a day. Or for some people who may have had, like, binge purge eating disorders, like bulimia, um, maybe not purging or maybe not binging or trying to correct their own behaviors. But for me, it was, like, the eating snacks when I'm hungry or eating a full amount, like a normal amount, um, things like that. Well, I heard you mention uh, the one year. I've recently heard that you've hit your one year. How was I that? I did. It was, it was really good. It's kind of surreal still, but yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you so much. So with being this far in, what are some things that still scare you? Um... I, social eating, like, eating in social settings and having people, like, I don't know, perceive me eating is still scary to me, um, and sometimes there are just some really hard days where it's just, like, I wish I could go back to the behaviors. Not that it would help or fix anything, but just because it's safe and it's comfortable to me. Um, or there are days where it's just, like, a lazy day, you just lay around and it feels like all you do is just, like, eat. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, like you would want to work out or you would want to, like, I don't know, compensate in some way. But yeah. you can't do that in recovery, <laughs> you know? So, things like that. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. All right. Bringing back in the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Delaney. We have a couple of more questions in for you. Is that okay? Yeah. 
Alright, so starting with, why do you think it takes so long, or why is it so hard to tell and talk to your friends and family about eating disorders? I think it's hard because a lot of people don't truly understand what eating disorders are. Um, I feel like a lot of people still think it's a choice, where, like, I didn't wake up one day and I think, hmm, I think I'm gonna develop an eating disorder that will completely take over the next three years of my life, you know? So a lot of people don't necessarily realize that, and a lot of people don't understand the psychological aspect of it. They kind of think it's just like, oh, you just don't eat, if that's the eating disorder you have, of course. Um, and I, it took a, a really long time for me to even realize that it was a problem, mm -hmm. because it's a lot of disordered behaviors are very normalized in our society and that's partially because of diet culture and partially because of like perception of beauty in the media or whatever and like the pursuit of that you know so it was just like oh this is normal you know like people skip meals all the time or like you know people spend all their free time working out or weighing themselves or you know stuff like that and like obsessing over their appearance or their weight like that's normal right but in reality, it is not normal at all, and I definitely took it to the extreme. Alright, so I heard you say that something that normalizes uh, eating disorders in today's society is diet culture. Would you mind explaining what that is? So, diet culture is like the perpetuation of the idea that you have to alter the foods that you eat or your amount of exercise in order to alter your appearance to kind of be like ugh, the standard of beauty and everything about diet culture is so messed up because it's it's all well not all necessarily but a lot of it is very disordered like um one example is the keto diet <laughs> is um it's where you cut out carbs from your diet mm -hmm. almost completely if not completely uh the keto diet was initially created to manage epilepsy in children, but it has been used as like a fat loss thing now, and that's not at all healthy because um, carbs are like the main source of energy for people. You know, it's what fuels your body and it's what keeps you going. And so it's really dangerous to see that. And it's a, like demonizing calories where calories are just a unit of energy. Mm -hmm. but it's like it, it, in diet culture that's not at all what it means and it's just like calories make you fat and that's not what it is calories yeah. are what fuels you for you know? sure so that's <laughs> examples of diet culture all right so does having your loved ones know about your eating disorder help you it absolutely does the support system is a huge huge piece of recovery could you give us some examples of how your families and friends have helped you throughout your eating disorder? My family has been able to help me with treatment, like getting me into therapy and like working with me to find safe foods at the beginning of my recovery so I could kind of not like jump into the deep end, you know? Um, and they've also been there, like I know that they support me no matter what. so. I know that if I needed to, I could come to them, and they would be willing to help me. And my friends have been really amazing, especially you, and um, just making sure that I've eaten, checking up on me, asking how I'm doing, 
and um, making it very clear and very known that they are going to be there for me. Alright. Um, what should your loved ones know about eating disorders? I think it's really important for all people to know, like, very basic information on eating disorders. And I think it's really important for people to know possible causes of eating disorders. Um, and I think it's important that people know, like, certain triggers for people with eating disorders. Like, talking about weight with people who have, like, an issue with that or, like, uh, body image and stuff, like, don't, don't comment on that with anyone, but especially not with people with eating disorders. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips on how to talk to a loved one if you suspect that they are developing or have an eating disorder? Definitely don't attack them with it, you know? Um, and definitely try not to sugarcoat it. Like, <laughs> Uh, balance that you have to find between um, making sure that you're still getting your point across and not being too blunt where you overwhelm them. Um, so definitely make it known that you're there to help them and mm -hmm. there to support them and that you're going to do what you can to help them. Um, and let them know that they're safe telling you mm -hmm. and that uh, you're going to be there for them, and you're going to support them no matter what it takes. All right. And earlier in the podcast, I miss it, I mentioned that you don't want to trigger people, but I realize that some people may not know what that is. Do you mind going into a little bit of detail of what that is? So what a trigger is is someone can say something, show you something, or sometimes it's even like a, a picture, like for a lot of people with like, Restrictive eating disorders, there's a th this thing called, like, thinspo, where it's just, like, pictures of people who are, like, emaciated. And it's, like, inspiration to keep going. So, triggers are any type of, like, stimuli that causes you to want to engage in behaviors. Whether you do or not, that's a different story, because there is, like, you can separate it, triggers and behaviors, but it makes you want to act or react in a certain way. All right. Well, thank you once again for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you, Delaney. <laughs> pleasure to be here. All right, everyone. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to my cot. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to my podcast. And please, 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 if you are concerned that you or a loved one have an eating disorder, please contact National Eating Disorder Hotline. Call or text 800-937-2237 or go to their website to chat. If you are worried or have questions or even need help finding treatment, please contact ANAD at 630-577-1330. Check on your loved ones. Know that you are loved and that if you or someone needs to talk, you've got a friend in me. Okay.
Trouble.